Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Carl Perkins, and today we are studying the 20th folio page of Tractate Ketubot. Ketubot Daf Kaf. Uh, we've been reviewing the rules of evidence regarding the authentication of documents during the past several days. Uh, there are two interesting issues raised on today's daf, today's page, that I wanted to bring to your attention. The first concerns the obvious fact that when a document is being authenticated, it requires someone to remember now what he or she saw or did in the past. Well, what if a creditor or a debtor, a litigant of any kind, frankly, brings someone to court to testify and the witness can't remember what happened in the past? What then? Uh, the question is, can a witness's recollection be refreshed? It's an interesting question. Obviously, there's risk in permitting a witness's recollection to be refreshed. The danger uh, is the power of suggestion. Let's say two witnesses come into court. One remembers, the other doesn't. Can one witness remind the other about what happened? Can one of the litigants remind the witness about what happened? Uh, can you remind yourself of the facts by looking at your own notes? In general, refreshing one's recollection or ref ref refreshing the recollection of a witness is limited by the law because of the substantial concerns about reliability and the potential for abuse. On our page, we have an interesting story that tells us something about how the rabbis viewed Talmidei Chachamim, or scholars. Once, we're told, Rav Kahana was apparently involved in litigation, and he brought Rav Ashi into court and asked him, do you remember the evidence? Uh, Rav Ashi answered, uh, no. So Rav Kahana asked him, weren't the facts just like this? And he spelled them out. And Rav Ashi said, I don't know. But in the end, Rav Ashi said he did remember the facts, and he testified in Rav Kahana's favor. This surprised Rav Kahana, namely that Rav Ashi gave evidence after he had twice said that he couldn't remember the facts. So Rav Ashi said to him, Do you think I relied on you? No. I looked into my own soul and I remembered the facts. Permitting Rav Ashi to testify in such a circumstance appears to be a concession to scholars. In the subsequent legal history of this issue, the authorities differ on whether it's one of the litigants or the witness that has to be a scholar for this concession to kick in. But what's clear is that the story reflects the belief that a scholar or a sage was deemed to have integrity. He was deemed to be someone not, certainly not willing to elicit false testimony, uh, but also someone not as susceptible as an ordinary person would be to the power of suggestion. There's another text on this page that I want to bring to your attention. It's a Mishnah at the end of the daf. 
Now, again, as we know, two witnesses are in general necessary to witness a legal document. Let's say that someone comes into court to authenticate a document that had been signed sometime in the past, and the person brings in two witnesses. Well, the Mishnah tells us what happens. One witness comes in and says, uh, yes, this is my signature, and the other signature is the signature of the other witness. And the second witness says the same thing. Well, in such a case, the Mishnah tells us, everyone agrees that they are believed, and therefore the document is authenticated. Uh, this is, you might say, a thoroughly non-controversial confirmation of the authenticity of a document. But what if the first witness comes in and says, uh, yeah, that first signature is my signature, but I don't know anything about the other signature. And the second person comes and does the same thing. In other words, he identifies the second signature as his own, but he can't say that the first signature was made by the first witness. What then? The document, after all, was witnessed by two people, and those two people have come into court. Does a court have enough to go on to authenticate that the document is genuine? Well, as you might expect, given that I, I brought this to your attention, there are, of course, two witnesses, two opinions on this matter that are expressed. The first is that of Rabbi Judah Hanasi, the editor of the Mishnah. He says that in such a case, that is, when each witness authenticates his own signature, but not that of the other witness, well, they have to bring another witness in to testify with these two witnesses about both signatures, so that both signatures can be thoroughly authenticated. Now, the reason for Rabbi Judah Hanasi's opinion, it would seem, is clear. Testimony can only be accepted from two witnesses that we know. And given the hypothesized facts, we have two witnesses for most of the text of the document, but not for those signatures on the bottom. We don't have two witnesses for either signature. Therefore, according to this view, we need to add a third witness so that each signature, as well as the document's text itself, can be authenticated by two people. <clears throat> well, the sages, the Chachamim, as they're called in Hebrew, they disagree. They say that the two witnesses we already have are, are certainly sufficient to authenticate the document. They say that when it comes to authenticating a signature, if someone comes forward to confirm that he signed a document, and yes, in the Talmudic period, we are speaking of male witnesses only, we shouldn't require two witnesses to that confirmation. Only one, namely the person who claims he signed the document, needs to testify that this is indeed his signature, and that should be sufficient. The Hebrew phrase is ne'eman adam lomar ze ketav yadi. A person can be trusted when he says, this is my signature. There shouldn't be the need for a second witness to the signature itself. Now, the disagreement can be understood to turn on the question of just what we are expecting the two witnesses to, te to testify. If we understand the purpose of their testimony to be to authenticate the note, then it should be enough for each to say that he signed the note. That is to say, if what's important is the content of the note, the words in the note that describe the transaction or the indebtedness, if we 
are focused on the fact that that was witnessed by two witnesses, then such a circumstance should be sufficient. If, on the other hand, by the note, we mean not only its contents, but the signatures on the bottom, then obviously, and this is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi's view, we need two witnesses for each part of the note, including the signatures at the bottom. Now, each of these two positions makes sense, but frankly, that of the sages is more practical. What, after all, is the purpose of authentication? It's determined if the underlying uh, transaction is genuine. And the note is there to confirm that underlying transaction. And if the purpose of authentication is to confirm that, to confirm that the note is a faithful record of an indebtedness of some kind, well, in that case, the actual identity of the witnesses is only relevant to the transaction to the extent that it helps confirm that transaction. Neither witness has to know the other. In fact, and this is the case when documents are signed routinely, when the first witness signs the document, the second witness's signature is not even there, and he may not even be looking when the second, when the second witness signs the document. And so the sage's interpretation, <clears throat> to me at least, makes a good deal of sense and reflects the reality of document authentication. We will continue with our study of the witnessing and authentication of documents in the days ahead. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.